This is Boom Goddess Radio, igniting inspiration in primetime women. We are Jennifer Davis Page, Bebe Peters, and Dr. Andrea Gould. Welcome to the next episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast. And today, ours is called The Next Adventure Dating and Love in 2018. And we're sitting here with a very cozy group of the five of us, our co-hosts, Jennifer Davis-Page, Vivi Peters, and myself, Andrea Gould-Marks. And today we have two wonderful guests, Lori DeGardi and Alan Cates. And let me introduce Lori DeGardi. Welcome. For 18 years, Lori DeGardi's primary focus was family and work not dating. Now, her only obligation is to her own heart's desires, and that includes adventure, romance, and falling in love. Lori is a professional and TEDx speaker, certified life coach for women leaders, and author of Anger 101, The Healthy Approach to Being a Bitch. Well, we have Alan Cates, with a fewer words, but nevertheless as potent. Alan Cates is new to the dating scene. After being married for 21 years, he lost his wife two years ago and finds that in doing internet dating, he is a stranger in a strange land. Alan is a ghost writer of many books and well-known nationally. So why can't he get a date? (laughs) This is going to be a great conversation. (laughs) Well, we are talking about all the different things, all the different facets, right, of being in this age group of 50 plus and being out there looking to partner. And uh, let's just get right into it. And why now? You know, 15 going on 20% of people in the boomer age group are single and it increases every year. And our brains are really hardwired for attachment. So no wonder it's kind of the number one either quiet or loud obsession, regardless of age. Alan. Yes. Let me ask this question. How how long after you, after your wife passed away did you uh, did you start dating? Um, I started seeing someone about three months afterwards, mm-hmm. mostly because um, my wife had breast cancer. Uh, we had not made love or even touched each other from that point on, so almost two years before she died. And I really wondered after she died whether I would ever feel anything for anyone again. And although three months is pretty early, I had an affair with a woman. And it was wild, hot sex, so that answered one question. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked her, and um, the relationship lasted about a month until um, she asked me how my wife died, because I had never told her. And I told her that my wife died in my arms. And, um, And she said, well, then it was a beautiful death. And I said, there was nothing beautiful about it. And I understand what she was saying and the romantic concept behind it, but in reality, that's not what it was. 
my wife suffered for two minutes as she died in my arms. And um, I'm, I'm a forgiving person, but I couldn't, I mean, that was the end of the relationship because so, we could not connect. Right, so for you, that was the seminal point that talked about this person is not for me. Um, Laurie, tell us a little bit about you, please, and uh, relate it a little bit to about to what you are seeking in life and where you've been. Mm-hmm. My marriage ended through divorce, and it was a death of sorts that I was not prepared for, and that was uh, started in 1997, and it was kind of complete in 2000. So back then. I had two babies, a big historic property in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and a lot of international nonprofit work. So that was my focus, and mending a broken heart because I did not want to be divorced. So through the years, I focused on those things that I shared with you, and I did date a little bit, but it was never my focus. Plus, I found that my picker, my man picker, was kind of broken. (laughs) I picked men who um, were either selfish, narcissistic, and who could not honor me based upon my upbringing. So all of these years up to this point uh, were very introspective. You know, what did I have going on for my own self? What did I learn? Why was I picking men uh, when I did pick, when I did have a chance to date, that were not um, men that I could see me being with for any length of time? You know, just in listening to the both of you, there's something so important about being honored. And what Alan was saying was that in that well-meaning but not necessarily well-attuned comment, um, he felt disrespected, misunderstood, not understood. And you were also in your dating experience feeling not honored. So I just want to bring that out as, um, you know, necessary precondition, Mm -hmm. it sounds like, in terms of choosing Mm -hmm. um, or at least knowing or being clear what honoring or feeling, what it feels like to be honored, what the behaviors are, what the, you know, what the circumstances are that that really illuminate that for ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know. And Alan, I would like you to comment on something that you've said that would uh, expand on this. And you talked about in your dating experience, uh, you have uh, met several different women and mostly on the Internet. And uh, talk a little bit about those and what happened and how did that go? Um, Well, kind of mixed reviews. The first date that I had from that site uh, was a, you know, a coffee date. We talked over coffee and it lasted a few hours and everything seemed to be clicking really nicely. And so we decided to have a date and um, it was going to be dancing on Saturday night. Her idea, not mine. Um, As it turned out, she was a terrible dancer. (laughs) And to give you how guys guys think okay if a woman is a terrible dancer she's terrible in bed okay 
And that's I know it's not say, true. That's what we say about you two. Yes, yes we they say do. About men too. Yes, and women have told me that. I that, would say that it's not true, but anyway. Yeah, but anyway, that's kind of guy think. Any, so um, I took her home afterwards, and we were sitting in the, in the car, and she asked me if I would stay over. And this is really, this is first date. And I said, I'm sorry, this is way too fast for me. And... You know the Billy Crystal comment that he made in City Slickers, which is, women need a reason for sex, guys just need a place. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not entirely true. That there are a few of us out there who have graduated from being Neanderthals, who, um, you know, we need a reason. Did she see you again? No. So she was, she was just after your body, Alan. She was just after your body. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> so you shared a couple of different stories uh, <clears throat> about some of the weird women. And I was uh, sharing with my co-host that I only pictured um, life in the single lane out there with weird men. I didn't think there were weird uh, oh, women. Oh, you have no but, idea. <laughs> but apparently that's not the case. Oh, no, definitely true. As a therapist, I can, I can attest to men's testimonies, right, about weird women. So, um, or you, women who just don't get it. When you make the decision that you're going to get out there, all right, do you make a list... Do you sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and make a list of the kinds of things you're looking for in a, uh, a companion or a sex partner or whatever you're, whatever you're after at that point? Do you, do you say he's, he's going to be at least six feet, I mean, and blonde hair, blue eyes? I mean, do you write down what you're looking for? I have done that years ago wrote down all the things that I could think of. And then every minute and day after that, for months, I'm thinking, but did I forget that? What about this? What about that? And it was really just helping me clarify my values and my core values. Not necessarily, now when I look back, a list. Because what I see now, for me, like I don't have a list, but I know who I am and I know what's important to me. And the most important thing to me is how I feel when I'm with that person. When I meet that person, do I feel good? Do I feel comfortable? And then am I attracted to that person? And But that took a long time for me, almost making a list about myself. Like, who am I really? You know, and what's important to me and how do I honor me? Because that's what it all boils down to, me honoring myself. If I can do that, then I think the rest of it's in the bag. I'm okay. Did you have coffee dates too? I've had, um, I've had, I haven't had as much excitement as Alan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm weird in a really wonderful way. Uh, I, ha I have. I, ha I didn't date a lot. A lot. I did go on a dating site uh, in 2003. Uh, it was three years after I was divorced. I felt it was time for me to uh, be something more than a mom and a heartbroken woman. And I needed to buy some new clothes besides maternity and corporate clothing. And so I did meet... Uh, men that one year, six of them in a year. So I didn't wasn't going crazy That's with an it. Excellent uh, record, I may add. Yes. <laughs> you must have learned a lot. I did, and you know, I learned more, of course, about me than anything else because I w I am a philosopher, and I make the ancient Greeks proud with "Know Thyself" or Socrates, um, because I was picking out 
men who are not honorable. And I realized I wasn't honoring myself. So, but I, to answer your question, Jennifer, I did do some list writing uh, to really help me weed through what was really important, what was superficial, what was really important, and uh, what did that look like for me? And I don't have a list anymore. But you bring up a really important point, which is how you wanted to feel. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people make the mistake of making a whole long laundry list of what they're looking for when really they're looking to feel a certain way. And you got to know that through these relationships where you didn't feel like you wanted to feel. Yes, that's true. And we associate feelings very often with women. Uh, what about men, Mr. Allen? Tell me about the feelings uh, about this picture as they uh, relate to you. What is your gauge for finding the right person? How do you want to feel? Yeah. Uh, I had an interesting conversation with uh, a woman where we were talking about the nature of love. And I said that I felt that if you are madly in love with someone, then you will solve all your problems. She said that there are things way beyond love that are more important than love. And I said such as uh, money, property, um, fine dining, travel. And I said... So I guess we're not compatible. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's a, the philosophy, though. You know, it's kind of interesting that she was defining what a good companion was for her. And once again, you were in this very tender place. And, I, you know, I'm just gathering this, you know, that your need is really to be attuned on a feeling level. You're a feeler. Yeah. I mean, I was married for 21 years, and we had a really strong love relationship. We adored each other. And so are you looking for love, Alan? Is that your word for 2018? As a matter of fact, it is, because yeah. you've shared that with us all, yeah. already, right? And as some <laughs> women have said to me, because they, they're trying to be careful, they're trying to be careful that you're not looking for a nurse with a purse. So I'm not. I'm in incredibly healthy on no medications. I even had to put that on my website, on that site. I couldn't believe it. And I have my own money. Um, so I'm not looking for anything except a really close connection and attachment. So are you looking to get married again? I haven't really thought of it that closely. It, that takes time. To but really you are know, for intimacy, I'm looking for intimacy, and I'm not talking about sexual intimacy, no. although that would be nice. Well, apparently that you are talking about that because it was one of the very first topics that you, uh, you know, brought up. So yes, but you know what? Yes, but it, uh, that were really wasn't about sex, although it was incredibly hot. <laughs> what it was about was whether I could feel anything. At yes. all. See, so yes. he is a feeler, mm -hmm. and his realm is to feel, and you want to feel. When you go on the computer and fill out that, um, profile. that profile, what kinds of questions do they ask you? Do they ask you what kind of woman you're looking for, age, age and hair color? Do they ask you for specifics? Yeah, age grouping, height, um, profession, education level. Um, and does it ask you whether you will date um, black women or Hispanic women yes. or Asian women? Yes. They'll ask you or, all of that. Or all. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Um, so it does ask you that. You know, it's basically the profiles of people who you meet in life. I have found on some women's um, profiles that they're very specific. Must be over six feet or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, but you're five foot three. So I figured there's something else going on there. Um, and something else that I, that I found interesting is that um, I was corresponding with women on the site and inevitably, like really quickly, it comes out, did you vote for Trump? And if they say yes, then, you know, we're not compatible. And I was just getting too many of those. So I uh, put in my profile that if you're a Trump supporter, we will never be compatible because I believe in social justice, kindness, and helping other people succeed. Did we ever think we'd get to that on a, on a, no. on a, on a love site? As yeah. a result of me putting that there, I have generated interest in more women who have <laughs> voted for Trump, who have contacted me. I don't know why, but they want to have a discussion. They start off by saying, I know we're not compatible. That's what women do. That's exactly, yeah. that's fantastic. And I had that's to what remind, women do. I had to remind myself that some women are interested in serial killers because they're locked up. They oh can't my. have them. <laughs> not that I, you know, so um, I do not equate myself with a serial killer, but what I, I'm unavailable. So women want to discuss and explore the feelings. Um, Lori, what are you looking for? What is out there for you in the horizon? I really feel this year is opening up for me. I can sense that I'm going to be meeting a partner. I'm very intuitive and I don't know how or when, all that stuff, but I'm open and I'm ready. And so what am I looking for? Yes. Uh, I, I wanna feel that deep resonance when I meet him. And immediately, as in? Yes, I, I can feel that immediately. I can, when I meet a woman or a man as a friend, I can feel that with an electrician who comes to my house. I mean, I can just feel whether or not. Or a plumber. Oh, excuse me. Let's the gardener, okay, forget the that. gardener, the plumber, the electrician. Yeah. You hear that, guys? You hear that? <laughs> so I have to feel that resonance, and and there has to be something that I find incredibly attractive about him. So I could have a list. I could say I'm five nine, so I love wearing heels and having a man taller than me. However, it doesn't have to be that way. But he has to have something when I look at him, it's like, oh my God, I'm so attracted to you. Maybe it's the spark in his eyes. Maybe it's the way he laughs, his voice, his smell, his body, his, uh, the way he looks at me. It's, it's, you know, I can create a list of all of them, but what reality has shown me is that there has to be something. Connection. There has to be that connection so that when I look at him, I want to be with him. I want to connect more. And... There has to be shared core values. Uh, somebody told me years ago, and I can't remember who it was, if you don't share core values, then you'll just be dating forever. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, I'm not very political, but I do have my beliefs and my values around how our government should support our, us as citizens. And I'd like, my partner will definitely have similar ideas about that. I find I'm really um, healthy and I invest in my health and an adventure and uh, introspection. And so I need someone to at least be able to listen to that and join me in that. I'm an Argentine tango dancer, I used to be. I I'm gonna get out in the dance floor soon. He doesn't have to be a dancer. 
uh, that's not a core value of mine. It's an interest. Mm -hmm. So we may not have to share, might not have to share all the interests, but at least some of them. The core values are a must for me. And I have to feel great, which normally if somebody vibes at the same uh, frequency as you, uh, to use lack of a, some other term, that was what makes that feel feeling feel good. And then, um, yeah, it's, yeah. So, you know, and I'm very idealistic and I have, I'm very romantic. So uh, I'm very curious how all of what's swirling around for me materializes in, in the three-dimensional world. So stay tuned. And this <laughs> reminds me of what, what Alan was saying in the conversation with this woman who said there's more to, you know, there's more to love than the feeling. More to a relationship with, than love. Right, right, right. More than love. And what what you're describing, Lori, are all the things that are not necessarily love, but are the more to the relationship, which yeah. is those, you know, shared values. Mm -hmm. I thought when you were telling the story, Alan, that you were going to say that there's patience involved, that there's understanding involved, that there's the ability to tune in. There's ability to be over there with the other person rather than only with oneself. I thought that's what she was going to say. Others have said that. <laughs> Others have said that. Right. I have a friend who's dating, and she said to me, he's got to have a 401k, and he's got to have a pension. So tell me, how important is the next person in your life being financially sound to you? How important is that to you? That's important to me in that it shows me what he values. Does he value his life? Does he value being able to do what he wants to do when he wants to do mm -hmm. it and with a partner? So three, 2013, maybe I, I was on uh, match.com for three months and my, in my profile, I said, I don't want to be the one with the mostest. I don't want to be the tallest, the richest, the smartest, the most athletic, the healthiest, maybe one or two of them, but I don't want to be the mostest in all those categories. It's <laughs> not a turn on. And so I love fine things. I was raised, I was born into poverty. I was a welfare child. I struggled um, and I don't anymore. And so there's a mentality that goes with not living in an abundant lifestyle. You may not value money like you need the best designer stuff. That's not a value of mine. Mm -hmm. But being able to live the life you want to live is important to me. And um, part of that is the riches of life, not just the money riches, but all of the riches of life. Does it make sense? Yes. Same question to you, Alan. Um, I had connected with a woman who lives in Coronado, near San Diego, and we really hit it off. We Skyped, um, talked on the phone, and she uh, came to Phoenix so that we could meet because she has some friends in Phoenix. And uh, so we spent a couple of days t together and talked a lot and really got along. And then she found out that I was not a multimillionaire. And it was off just like that. Mm -hmm. And the big question, I have no idea why she even thought that I, I was. And I'm really comfortable. I have a pension. I'm still making money. <laughs> I'm working, you know. But she lives in a million and a half dollar house. Mm -hmm. So whatever... I was, and I had to explain to her what my financial situation was, and compared to her, I never felt so poor in my life. Mm -hmm. So and, that was important to her. But it was mm -hmm. that was really important to her. 
uh, back to a lot of travel, fine dining, lots of clothes, having, you know, a really expensive house. And, um, you know, so obviously we were not compatible from that point on. Up until that point, things looked pretty good. <clears throat> Lori, my question is, what what obstacles within yourself do you foresee or historically have gotten in the way? You talked about your broken picker back at the <laughs> beginning, you know, and that you were picking all the wrong men. I'm interested, what was the attraction to those six men in a year that didn't make the cut? What was the attraction to yeah, them? Yeah. What what did you find initially attractive about them that allowed you to even engage. So we're calling on my memory from uh, 15 years ago. And I remember each one of them. Uh, they were funny. I found them, something was attractive about the way they presented themselves. And I would say on paper, but on technology, it was match.com. <laughs> so, uh, and so there was something attractive about the way they looked, the way they wrote, what they said was important to them. They lived close by. They were in my age range. And their communication to me was thoughtful enough that uh, it invited me to the next step. That next step then is what opened up um, my discovery about who they were more as a person. Uh, one person I dated for three months in that six years until I found out that he was lying to me. Uh, and Meaning that, that he was already... No, he, he just, uh, what I found, again, and I want to just say, uh, um, I don't want to point fingers because I know they were mirroring how I was treating myself. So I, I learned so much about me. But he told me that his daughter really urged him to be on Match.com. So I started dating him like in October, November. And at Christmas time, I made a loaf of banana carrot bread and bought him some uh, poinsettias. He was picking up his daughter at the airport and I said to him, oh, she's going to be so excited that you have these gifts in the car. So when she asks you, you can say, well, because of you, I'm dating Lori. And he said, well, why would I tell her that? Or why would she ask me that? And I said, well, because she urged you to join. And he said, oh, so he had lied about that. He was insecure about being on the mm -hmm. dating site. Mm -hmm. uh, then I dated uh, the last man I met. I dated. But that was it for him. That was it for him. Because I made a promise to myself that if I found out that someone was lying to me, that was it. Because mm -hmm. in my history of being with men who were selfish, dishonorable, and narcissistic, lying was a, a way of live, living. And if I noticed that they lied to somebody else, I somehow allowed that until he started lying to me. So one of the rules I made for myself is as soon as I found out that a man lied, if he lied, no second chances. So that year, I, all these men gave me an opportunity to test that. <laughs> and the last man I dated that year, uh, I fell in love with. And we dated for about 10 or 11 months. And but I sensed something wasn't quite right. And his ex-wife kept appearing in my dreams. <laughs> I thought, why is there a way she always showing up? So it was really difficult for me, but something didn't feel right. And it took every ounce of courage I had and commitment to honor to end it with him. And for a year, I wasn't sure if I made the right decision. A year and a half, I got a phone call from a woman at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, a woman who was dating him now. And through that conversation, I learned she started dating him when I was dating him. 
And so my sense that he was lying to me was correct. So, um, so I was still choosing men who would lie to me, but I was growing and learning because all of that was in my subconscious and habitual learning from my, you know, my parents and my stepfather and people that surrounded me. So it took a lot uh, for me to out, to learn what the untruth about what That's was here for intuition. Yes. And trusting right. yourself. And, right. Yes. Right. And, and I'm very introspective. In so it was a, a period of self-growth. All those years I've been alone, I really used to my advantage. And I've learned, and I do this in my work, is that uh, I help women really form a, a wonderful, honorable relationship with themselves because your relationship with yourself determines your experience in life. And it's the basis for all your relationships. So I knew every time I dated somebody that was kind of off kilter, that it was me. It was me I needed to look at. And so uh, that that, uh, points to me to, right, not only do we learn and grow and we mature into the people that we are, uh, but now in 2018, we've come to this point of where... uh, I'm about to perhaps go out there and uh, date. You two are doing that already. Now in 2018, a new era comes along, right, about determining what flirtation is, what how sexual harassment uh, affects the dating scene. Um, how more complicated is that getting now? To how, So, Alan, how do you flirt? What do you do now? I've had this conversation with a couple of women, and I've told them I am afraid to do anything. Right. And I fear that um, for men. And so, and I said, look, traditionally, you would wait for me to do something. Well, that's just not going to happen. I said, so you're going to have to give me cues and make me feel comfortable. Because um, what I I have done in the past, which has always been fun and flirtatious, could be people at work or or whomever, um, I can't do that anymore because uh, men don't know what the rules are. So we need a new way of operating. We We need a new way of So uh, the only thing I can do is be careful and be silent. Do you ask the question, may I kiss you? Is that a question? Yes, that is a question, and I have asked it. And, And really, you know, the defensive maneuver of being honest and saying, look, I really want to stay out of trouble here, and so I am going to yield to your cues. I mean, that's that's smart right now in this stage of uncertainty. And so, and we talk about so as men pull back more, do women pull pull forward more or push forward? Right? Yeah. Let's explore that after the break. Have you ever wondered how it would be to start out a new relationship? in a whole new chapter of life? When seeking a partner in our later stages, it's hard to see past the old familiar limitations. They cloud our vision. How about you send us an email with your thoughts about the challenges you found while questing for a new companion? We welcome your input. Please write us at info at boomgoddessradio.com. And we'll send you an invitation to our online and in-person plans to help you find a future that finally fits. 
go ahead and email us at info at boomgoddessradio.com. So we're back now, and we're really talking about, we're talking about 2018. We're talking about going forward. We're talking about new rules. So Alan brought up such an interesting point a few minutes ago, and that's how he as a man is now really feeling a little bit derailed, a little bit pushed back, and far more cautious. I wonder what that does to a woman's need to feel um, adored, appreciated, um, potent. Let's ask her. How does it feel, Lori? Let's ask her. Why don't you line up some dates for me and I'll get back to you. Uh, You can test them out, Yeah. So what's important to me uh, in terms of flirting and all that? I have had a date. I met somebody here in Tucson that's from back in Pennsylvania, believe it or not, at a concert. He had a T-shirt from my hometown. It's like, excuse me, (laughs) why are you wearing that T-shirt? Turns out he comes here once a month. So we get together once a month for dinner. We've done that maybe three or four times. He flirts with me. It's cute. I don't flirt with him. I I don't find it offensive. Um, We have a a great report. I feel comfortable with him. If he did something out of line, I would totally be okay to say, hey, Alan, I'm not okay with that. Um, I am an empowered woman now, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. And uh, so, this my one and only date uh, has been honorable. He's a nice man, and and he's was on the phone one time during dinner through an emergency, and he said, "Look, I gotta go. Uh, I'm out on a date with Lori, and she's looking hot." And and I even checked in with myself. Okay, how did that feel? And I thought, it was fine. I look hot. <laughs> you know, I worked at it. <laughs> I look awesome. <laughs> so I find that because men aren't as intuitive, they don't pick up all the subtle things like women do. We're wired to do that from birth. Our, we've, our brains have evolved. That what you oh, were s- And men haven't. Oh. Well, they have, but in a different way. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, wait a second. I, I, I really want to say something in defense of men, and in particular with Alan here as our guest man, that you're really demonstrating and talking like an evolved man who's in touch with his feelings, who's respectful, who is willing to take cues not only from a woman but from the environment around. I mean, that's that's important. And, and admirable. And very and admirable. And yes. you're not behaving at all nor have any of your stories indicated that you really have a lot of residual Neanderthal in you. I don't think so. Well, that's because I'm scared. <laughs> Yes, but a lot of scared Neanderthals will come out fighting, right? Conquer. And you're not. You are an honorable man. And yes, that's great to acknowledge because that's what women, women who really know who they are and what they want, want honorable men. Lori, I know that there are listeners that their jaw dropped when you said the lady called at 10 o'clock at night. You've got to tell us what that, just tell us why she called. (laughs) She called because... She was sensing something wasn't right in her relationship, and she was in love with this man. She had, I don't know how many, four children maybe, and they loved him, and he talked about marriage with her, but like there was like some type of roadblock. And 
she said that this, and this man was a surgeon and was on call a lot, even when I started dating him during, during the duration. And my father died during the time I was dating him. And when this man was with me in the hospital, my father was uh, dying, he looked at all of the paperwork and explained what it all meant to me, because I didn't know what any of that meant. And he told me, well, your dad's liver is closing down and his kidneys. And he said, um, and he told me what would probably happen, the last breath, which has a name and I forget what it's called. And when my dad would do that, then he was leaving, he was dying. And sure enough, that's what happened. And this man was with me in the room and he took care of everything. He was a really wonderful guy in many ways. So sometime after that, I wrote him a letter while I was still dating a card and I just thanked him for being with me and helping me through one of the toughest times of my life. And he kept that letter apparently in a drawer somewhere. And one night when he was on call, this woman was at his house. He was still dating me by the way. She found this letter, and so when he came home, she said, who's this woman that, you know? And he said, oh, I met her, we dated. Now she thinks we have something, and she's crazy. So that was his way to deflect and, and lie about the fact that there was two of us. So she wanted so much to be in a relationship with him that she took that explanation, but it haunted her. And after a year, a year later, when she was like, when are we getting married? Or, you know, my kids really love you now, but nothing's happening. She went to the court or the, where you can look at documents and could not find his divorce papers. And it turned out he had never gotten divorced. That's why his wife kept showing up in my dreams. Oh, <laughs> so glad we got to hear oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and so she said, my friends urged me to call you because... I think you would have clarity for me. And she said, I so admire you for trusting what you felt and acting on it. I was not strong enough to do that myself. And when we hung up that, uh, I thought, Lori, you need to just trust yourself and how you feel. And interestingly enough, what I intuited about him is that whenever he thought the relationship he was in was on a bumpy road, he would reach out to another woman. Sure enough, after she called me, he reached out to me to see how I was after not speaking to him for a whole year and a half. So that was his habit. A uh, pattern. It was a, a pattern, pattern of his. Yes. And so, but that's the story of that, um, that experience. Good story because there's so many uh, important aspects to that story. So I think that we could really have another part two of this particular theme. You know, it's like there's a whole new, you said, stranger in a strange land. I mean, there is, the image that came to my mind was like Dorothy and the Yellow Brick Road, that, you know, you start out and you go around and you're like, oh, this again, you know, man number two, man number three. A, a lot of experiences before you go into the deep woods. And then you meet weird, winged, monkeys and you know <laughs> wicked people but a lot of strange characters mm -hmm. until you get to hopefully the emerald city whatever that is the right companion the, the best fit right and how do we do that now right here in tucson in the southwest in the u.s how, how do we um get to that point of 
seeing that clear path ahead of us. I think this is worthy of a continued discussion Absolutely. on a greater level to where, you know, we have uh, you um, wonderful panelists and perhaps a little social gathering afterwards. Uh, so we'd love to hear back from our listeners and uh, about um, attending and, par and participating in something yeah. like that. And the thoughts about being single at this stage of life, in this century, in these years, under these conditions, please write to us at info at boomgoddessradio.com. Thanks for being with us, and let us hear from you. Thank you, Lori. Thank Darby, you for having me. And Alan Cates. You've been great guests. We've you. all learned a lot and enjoyed thoroughly. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.